Welcome back to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. I'm here with my two lovely co-hosts, one more lovelier than the other. I'll let I was, you guest. You know, I was about to ask. I was about to ask. Lovely, really, really creepy. You know, um, he's thinking so about la- me because I'm lovelier. This is true. This is true. I don't and think I, you would, your main I look like a bulldog. Would be we, we can admit it. I, I, I have a face like a bulldog. I saw <laughs> something the other day, though. I think, is it bulldogs or mastiffs uh, are like the number one dog in the world right now or something? Really? Something crazy like that. Well, I, I've had this ongoing thing with my wife about getting a dog. And I say, I only get a dog if we get a bulldog. Mm. And she says, I don't want to have to look at a bulldog. I already have to look at you. So, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I just love pitting you two against each other. That's yeah. just my goal for every episode. Um, right. If you listen to last week, we talked about the process of change. And the quintessential thing of awareness to action is the process from awareness, authenticity into action. And for the next couple episodes, maybe a few more, we'll see, we're gonna be talking about awareness. And as you have, may already know, we, um, we have strong opinions about awareness and what that means and how that actually works. So how in, in your certifications and the classes that you all do, uh, we'll start with you, MJ, how do you define awareness? First, before defining it, because I know that whatever definition I use, Mario will correct it. So I prefer to stay on the practical side of things. And my experience here is that... Correct is not the right word. No, well, you don't say it that way, but you state the same definition again in a way that it's kind of correcting. Anyway, I don't care. Elevate. But the fact is that my experience with people who try to apply their awareness to action process or try to create change of any kind usually lack the time or the long enough pause to be more aware of what's really going on. I think that we very quickly go into what the solution is without spending enough time on understanding what's really going on. And that's why awareness for me is so important. It's because we need to understand and we usually don't see the whole thing. We see just a bit of what's truly going on inside ourselves and around us and spending enough time. And that's why you were asking about the certification programs or the programs we do. We force them to stay in that part of the process longer than they would tend to do by themselves. And it's Mm -hmm. hard. And we have tools to do that. There are things, there are kind of lenses that we can use, and that's what we're going to use today. So if there's one thing that it's important, I think, is to spend more time than you think it's necessary because it's always useful. You can define it now, Mario. Well, I, I wish I could uh, because, you know, <laughs> awareness has multiple definitions. And I think that we always have to talk about what we're talking about when we talk about something. Okay. And with awareness, <laughs> I know, that again. very meta, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, What's the name of the, the guy who defined things? The, the 
character, Humpy, Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty, yeah. <laughs> when, when I use a word, it means exactly what I want it to mean. Yeah, that's, yes. that's right. So um, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, what? that's that's the yeah Alice in Wonderland. So the character, uh, you know, Alice says to Humpty Dumpty, you know, I don't think that word means what you say it means. Mm. And he says, when I use a word, it means exactly what I want it to mean. Is the Princess Bride line of. When he says inconceivable and uh, Inigo Montoya, <laughs> you keep using that word. You I keep using that word. <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> right. Yes. So, um, so we always have to define what we're talking about. And awareness is one of those words like spirituality or pornography that means different things to different people. And so, <laughs> great choice of words, Mario. Well, it's a famous, you know, legal case that, you know, one of the Supreme Court justices a long time ago said, you know, I don't, can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. And, you know, the same thing applies to spirituality and, um, and I would even say to awareness. So the way I like to think about it is that awareness has, boy, this is really going off the rails, isn't it? So um, I like to think that awareness Awareness has multiple components to it or multiple elements to it. The most important one is the ability to direct our attention. Okay? Instead of focusing on one thing, we focus on something else. I pay attention to this, pay attention to that. And whenever I hear people talk about presence or awareness or consciousness, you know, whenever somebody tells me about, you know, being conscious, I would say, what, well, as opposed to being unconscious, um, you know, it's, it's, really comes down to the ability to direct our attention to a particular place is one part of it. Now, when we talk about the awareness to action process, it also talks about being aware of our patterns. Okay? That's why the Enneagram is so important. It shows us our habitual patterns and it makes us you know, aware of those. And the, and the other element of awareness here is um, the ability to set a goal for change. Something's not working. I'm aware of some friction in my life. And I need to create some sort of change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the elements of awareness from our perspective. The idea of what people are referring to when it when they say becoming more conscious, becoming more aware, that sort of thing. To me, what how I read that right is that you're you're expanding your horizons. You're you're seeing things differently. You're becoming more open to more possibilities of the way reality is. How would you define that differently, or, or? no? I, th I think um, what you're use the way you're using it here is in kind of a social context, right? Re mm -hmm. Raising awareness or consciousness of a particular issue, and that I, you know, yeah, I get that, right? So consciousness is a capacity of attention. Okay, um, I get a little. It gets a little wiggly for me at times when people use it as a in a spiritual context, right? About you know increasing consciousness or something like that. So for me, whenever I ask people, "What do you mean by that?" it always comes down to directing our attention in a particular place, right? So I prefer just to go there, okay? Mm, okay, because that's where it ends up anyway. Now, there's also an element here that I think we need to talk about of self-awareness that's important, okay? Uh, because there's a difference between awareness and self-awareness. Self-awareness is a, a piece of awareness. So I think we can talk about that, what self-awareness means. Yeah. What does self-awareness mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, self-awareness means being aware of ourselves, right? Understanding ourselves, having knowledge of our tendencies of, and again, we get into something that has elements. And I think in a minute, we should get into the qualities of the mind that we talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Which would sort of set a foundation for this discussion. But there is, self-awareness typically comes in two different forms. There's my own awareness of or attention to my own processes, my own thoughts, my own emotional states, etc. Okay, so it's me observing myself. But there's also an element of self-awareness that is what's called external self-awareness, whereas the first one is internal self-awareness. And external self-awareness is understanding what other people think of us, right? I think I'm the greatest guy in the world. That's self-awareness. But if everybody around me thinks I'm a jerk, that shows that my self-awareness is uh, dissonant with the way that other people are perceiving me and the way I'm actually being in the world. And I would make a distinction as well between self-awareness and self-absorption. Because I think that a lot of people are thinking about themselves and their inner processes without really being aware. They're just thinking about it, but uh, it doesn't mean that they see themselves clearly. Yeah, I, I think the thing that distinguishes those two, Maria Jose, is the willingness to act on what we see, right? And for me, and I think Maria Jose would agree with this, um, self-awareness is just, <laughs> why is that funny? I mean, we'll see. We'll we see together. if I We have these conversations. <laughs> I mean, it's not the first time we've talked about this. No, so, like 15 years. Yeah, so. No, um, 13 or something. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> so so, and, and maybe she'll refine what I have to say there here in some way, right? But um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, so the value of self-awareness is to give us the ability to course correct, okay? Again, awareness is not the end in and of itself, okay? Awareness is the thing that creates a foundation for skillful being in the world, okay? Self-awareness should be the starting point of skillful action, thus awareness to action, okay? Self-absorption is when we just keep looking at ourselves and looking at ourselves and looking at ourselves, but don't do anything with it. We don't grow, we don't change, we don't accommodate, etc. So how would we, I understand that distinction. Uh, another distinction is like the act of being aware of the sensations in your body, the birds, the the sun on your skin, that is awareness as well. But it, it doesn't require any other action other than paying attention. Correct. Correct. And so it's, it is attention. Okay. If we don't put it into, yes, yeah, so, so we're, 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 I am uh, overly parsing words here. So I want to be careful about this. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, we can pay attention to ourselves and feel something and not choose to act on it. But if we do that all the time or most of the time, then we're just self-absorbed, okay? Because I'm seeing myself and not seeing the world or changing my behaviors in the world. Go ahead, Marie Jose. I'll help you here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about um, a friend who we go for walks 
often, as often as we can. And many times she's surprised and amazed at the flowers and the trees, and I don't see them. And so she's more aware of those things. I'm more aware now that I don't see them. So I decide to pay more attention to these things and not to look at my phone or just be thinking about my own stuff and not look at the surroundings. So I think that even when you are aware of certain things, of your body sensations and those, you are deciding to continue to be aware. So maybe I'm just trying to justify that, but I think that when you're aware, there's always a decision of continuing to be aware, to pay attention to something. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the six qualities in the mind, okay? Because I, I think that some of these things that we're circling around will become more clear and precise. Mm. No, okay? that's true. Yeah. All right. So we talk about six qualities of the mind. And look, there are a million ways to talk about the mind. And, you know, you can look at a lot of the wisdom traditions and they have many ways of parsing consciousness and, you know, the way the mind works, et cetera. And this is just our model. Okay, it's, it's, there's a million ways you could do this. Okay, but you have to pick some at some point. Okay, so uh, we- it's the we way work, we cut the pie. The, it's the, the pie. Way, there you go. It's the way we cut the pie. So um, the six qualities of the mind, the beginner's mind, okay, uh, the focused mind, the noticing mind, the fluid mind, the discerning mind, and the conducting mind. Wow, you just remembered those right off the top. Yeah, especially because they're written down on this piece of paper in front of me. So, uh, <laughs> just because they teach this stuff doesn't mean I remember it all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, we can just go through them if that's okay, right? Uh, so, the beginner's mind is a pretty popular concept. Uh, there was a great book, uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Sunryu Suzuki back in the 70s that I highly recommend. It's probably the best introduction to Zen, but just a real good and easy to read book anyway. A beginner's mind is this ability to see things through the mind of the beginner, right? Without prejudice, preconception, without be, being an expert, okay? Um, and to, to kind of take in as if we don't know rather than assume the position of the expert because that's what we all do. We all act from this space of what we know rather than what we don't know, okay? So beginner's mind is the willingness to say, okay, let me learn. Right? Let me act as if I don't know what it is. Uh, it was a great, you know, the movie Philadelphia. The, the Denzel Washington character is, is an attorney. And in the court, he would say to people, okay, explain this to me like I'm a six-year-old. Right? And he's doing two things there. He's trying to get people to put it into simple language. But he's also demonstrating, okay, I'm trying to understand this. Okay, I'm going to sit here and absorb what you have to say to me. Okay, so th this quality of the mind is an attitude of humility, okay, an attitude of receptiveness rather than an attitude of pontification. And it's so difficult. Oh, it's very difficult. In every area of our lives, but in the Enneagram, as this is an Enneagram podcast, um, it is so difficult because culturally we are rewarded by what we know, not by saying, I don't know, or I don't understand, which doesn't help beginner's mind. But with the Enneagram, we hear people teach us certain things, we believe it, and then 
we need to unlearn certain things when we hear a new idea. So having a beginner's mind when learning about the Enneagram or when teaching, it, it is very difficult. And this is not to say that we shouldn't ever act as if we know what we're talking about. And it's not to say we should, you know, give equal weight to every cockamamie idea that comes our way. Okay. So th this is a balance because if we, if we approach life as if we're beginners, you know, you get into the car and say, Oh, I'm a beginner. You know, what do I do? You know, no, no. You know, there, there are certain things we know what to do. Right. But there are times when cultivating the beginner's mind is really important. So Mario, uh, so most people would say mm. that you probably struggle with beginner's mind. And I'm talking about your personal public identity. I'm not talking about my and my knowledge of you. So how do you cultivate and express a beginner's mind? Like most people, I struggle with it. And what I am always trying to do is to learn. Okay? And I am always trying to increase my knowledge about things because the more I learn, the more I understand how much I don't know. Okay? And this is one of the beauties of you know, education is you keep getting exposed to things and you say, okay, that's an interesting word. I've never seen that before. Or, you know, let me get the dictionary out and so forth. So, so I think that, you know, what I do to try and cultivate beginner's mind is to keep learning and also to work to not have opinions on things that I don't know anything about. We'll go through, you know, not to pull world events into this right now, but, you know, today as we're recording this, our former president is on his way to be uh, indicted in New York tomorrow. And there's been all this conversation in the news about whether this indictment is justified or not, right? But nobody knows what's actually in the indictment. Mm. Nobody knows what any of the evidence is, and everybody has an opinion about it. Either, oh, yeah, he should go to jail, or, oh, no, he shouldn't. The reality is, is that we just don't know yet, okay? So what I try to do is recognize the areas in which I don't have enough information to have a strong opinion. But okay. what do we do with people like AIDS in general or other kind of people? Well, you're not going to let go of this. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I think this is a great opportunity yeah. for people yeah. to understand a bit of this. I approve um, of this more direction. About this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, we had not prepared yeah. for this, Mario. Um, yeah. And it's an intervention. Is that, is that, is that what this is? Are no. we even recording? <laughs> this is on, for your own good, Mario. So AIDS, for example, have a more, how do you call it? Um, sense of certainty no yeah it looks like they do uh, yeah. and how do you make sure that people get that because they're so certain they're so declarative in the way they talk that yeah. usually and i've seen this over the years with you that people say oh you don't listen to any other points of view you're so sure about i mean certain about your ideas and so how can as an aide or any other type who is who projects that can show other people that you have this beginner's mind. Yeah. So if if we're trying to encourage beginner's mind in other people, a couple of simple questions is do you have any evidence against that point of view? And how do you know that to be true? Yeah, I'm talking about you. How can you Right. Right, and these are and these are questions that we should ask ourselves. Right? Yeah, but how do you let what, other people know or see 
that you do have a beginner's mind when you are so certain. You seem to be so certain about your opinions. Yeah. So we're we're personalizing this to Mario. No, to right? eight. Is that what I'm hearing? Eight. Two eights. I, okay. I, look, I had the same issue with my daughter, who is 11 years old, who happens to be an eight, at school. If I am trying to exercise beginner's mind and let people know that I'm trying to exercise beginner's mind, I will ask, what am I missing? Okay. That's... That's the question, because what that does is invites somebody in a non-confrontational way to say, okay, well, here is a point, or here is a point, or here's a fact that maybe you're not considering, okay? So for me, that's my practice. What am I missing? Now, what most dates will do is say, prove me wrong. Right. And then it sets it up as combative. Yeah. Whereas by asking, what am I missing? It invites conversation mm-hmm. and correction and, you know, so forth. Maybe not as often, but I do run into similar issues because I have I have strong opinions about, about things. And yeah. something that um, my, my housemate started using that I've kind of adopted is I'm just pushing the pan around the palate right now i'm just seeing what is it what does it look like because sometimes when i'm doing that i can be very forceful in assertions that i'm not even sure about i'm just like pushing it there to see what happens to it so then one just prefacing hey i'm just going to explore this and like i'm going to letting people know like this is the i'm in this type of processing mind right now I don't know. And then using qualifiers like I wonder or I'm curious if in my experience it's been and constantly making it about me instead of pushing against their ideas. It's like I see that idea in my experience when I encountered that situation, this is what I do or this is how I think about it. How do you see how do you see those um, both valid experiences working together? Yeah, what I do is that I say uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. So just trying to um, take a six. position. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it works. Yeah, um, but <laughs> um, it, it's not me against you. It's just we're kind of almost role playing. We're discussing ideas, and mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to understand your point of view. Good. I think it's it's important to take it to a practical level because we can say, yeah, uh, beginner's mind, but then we're out there in the world yeah. uh, seeming very certain about our, our ideas, not looking like having like we have a beginner's mind. So there are different ways of doing it and to see, to be seen as having it. Yeah, this, this is a pretty broad uh, topic and there are a couple of you know, there are a lot of ways to go about this, right? Uh, one of them is we all want to work on separating our opinions and views and ideas from our value as a human being, right? So we're not so, you know, um, compelled to defend our ideas. I always tell people to, particularly the leaders that I work with who are very strong-willed and very decisive, to 
look for opportunities to change their mind about things and to pat themselves on the back when they admit that they were wrong about something because that's the sign of a good mind that's willing to say, okay, well, I thought this, but I learned some new facts or some more evidence came in or my experience showed different and now I see it this way, okay? So changing our mind can be the sign of intellectual integrity. Mm -hmm. And uh, one more piece that I'll add to this is the the concept of the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Uh, The Dunning-Kruger effect is this measured effect where people who are ignorant of something tend to overestimate their knowledge of it Whereas people who are more expert tend to underestimate their knowledge of it because somebody who's an expert understands how important a thing is or how complicated a thing is and they realize how much they don't know, whereas the beginner doesn't know what they don't know. It's like, you know, in the Enneagram, everybody who reads an Enneagram book thinks they're an Enneagram expert until they start to realize how, you know, complex the Enneagram actually is and then you start to become much more humble about it over time. Let's go ahead and hit the next two qualities in the mind, and then we'll, um, next episode, we'll do the other three. So, next quality of the mind is the focused mind. And this is where we get into the idea of paying attention, directing our attention to a particular thing. You know, we, we have evolved to have kind of diffuse attention. In a way, and when I say that, it's it's going to be different from what I talk about next, which is the noticing mind. But you know, we're easily distracted by things that are potential threats. Okay, we get these dopamine hits from novelty, which is why we're also addicted to our our phones, right? And scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, because you know we just want to get this dopamine hit of new information or new stimulation. So it's hard for us to focus. And how many people today are, you know, worried about their ability to focus anymore to do focused work? Well. Developing the focused mind is really important because it allows us to direct our attention to a particular place for a particular amount of time. And there are lots of practices for this, right? I mean, you know, a classic one in some meditation practices is to to concentrate on a candle, for example, the, the flame of a candle, or to count our breaths. And anybody who's ever done, you know, meditation that involves counting your breath, you Inhale, exhale, that's one. Inhale, exhale, two. And when you get to 10 or nine or whatever that arbitrary number is, you stop and you go back, right? You get to 10, you go back to one. And then what everybody encounters is that at some point they're counting their breaths and they're saying to themselves, 27, 28. And then they realize, oh, wow, I was supposed to reset at 10, right? So developing the ability to focus on something through a variety Mm -hmm. of practices is really important. So Mario, why don't you share the um, exercise we do during the trainings to practice uh, focus mind? Yeah. So there are a lot of ways to do this, right? I mentioned the counting the breasts, the count, you know, staring at a candle. Um, And what we like to do in our our training is there's... um, an exercise built around uh, John Coltrane's recommendations about how to listen to music, right? John Coltrane was the the great sax player, uh, the jazz musician. And he said that the best way to listen to music is to go through a process. First of all, you just listen to the music, listen to a song without paying particular attention to anything. Just let it sort of wash over you. Then you listen to it again 
But this time you pay attention to the saxophone and try to block out everything else and just follow the saxophone through the song. And then you do it again, but this time you do it with the piano and you tune out everything else and you follow the piano. And then you do it with the bass and then you do it with the drums. And then you go back again and listen to the whole thing again, just allowing it to wash over you. And what people almost always notice is that number one, it's really hard to do, right? Because you're, you're, you know, particularly when you get to the bass, okay? And you're trying to pay attention to the bass and the saxophone comes in or the drums come in and it distracts you. So there's the exercise of having to weed out distraction. But then the last time you listen to it, the music just sounds so much richer, right? Because you've trained yourself to hear the different pieces and now your brain's putting them all together again in a new way. So uh, we, we find that to be a good exercise. You could do the same thing with movies, right? Just pay real attention to one character, you know, or listen to the soundtrack or watch it with, you know, the, you know, the, your eyes closed or something, or just you know, with the volume down, whatever it is, just to train your attention. Yeah. And, and it makes me think about the exercise we do with uh, movies, trying to type some characters and how sometimes people only focus on the words and don't see the yeah. emotional affect or the body language or so many other, the context of where they live, or the culture. Right. And if you don't focus on every one of those things, it's really hard to understand what's really going on. Yeah. But you need to make kind of the, the specific effort to focus on one of those things because your way of kind of paying attention might naturally make you focus on one thing and not on the other. Right. What I'll often do uh, when I'm out hiking or whatever is sometimes I'm recording audio um, on my phone and I'll often use it in different situations in my music or whatever. And the thing I started to do um, as, a, as a part of a meditation is find all the different sounds that are hitting my ears at the moment and identifying them and then stop identifying them and then allowing allow them all to hit me at the same time and then trying to almost map the frequencies like what what frequencies are missing right now where like if i'm by a if i'm by a river like there's like there's a bunch of little high frequencies of of the water and then like the low rumble of water and then you got the the wind over here and just like and using that as as like a an anchor point to experience all these different things all at the same time and it's it's very relaxing and you all of a sudden you're realizing wow there's like 15 different types of birds around me right now where i was just registering as birds there are birds present Yeah, and in order to be able to do that, you need to have the distinctions mm -hmm. of the things that you need to pay attention to. Right. Because I probably wouldn't be able to distinguish between one bird and the other, let alone the frequencies. In the case of, I don't know, anything pretty much, if you look at the sky and the stars, you will not be able to see kind of different things mm -hmm. if you don't know what sure. to look for. So I think that it's important, and we'll see later how the beginner's mind, I mean, all the minds are interrelated, but if you don't continually learn about the different dimensions to, that you can look at, uh, it's really hard to focus because you think you're focusing on 
everything, mm-hmm. and you might not mm-hmm. be doing that. Yeah. And, and that's an important thing, Maria Jose, to point out about these qualities of the mind, right? They're pieces, but they don't work in isolation, okay? But the more, to your point, aware we are of these different qualities of the mind, the more skillful we are in weaving them all together in an appropriate way. Okay. So, for example, the next one is the noticing mind. Okay. Yeah, but just before yeah, we ahead. finish with that, I think one really good map is the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So, when we understand how fours look like in general, in several dimensions, and threes and twos and everyone, it's easier to focus on one particular aspect of it than if we don't have the map. So I think that's one of the beauties of, of the Enneagram as a, as a model, is that it allows us to know what to pay attention to. If I fully understand what you're saying there, is that once we understand what's the signal versus the noise, right? What, you know, what are the things that are relevant to understanding the person's personality type and which things are just noise, uh, you know, circumstantial or cultural or, you know, just simple distractions. We can kind of focus in on those key things uh, and understand the person better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great transition into the noticing mind. Yeah. So the noticing mind is... It's almost so. If we think of the focused mind as a uh, as a searchlight, okay, or a flashlight, okay, it's you know focused on one small area in the dark. The noticing mind is kind of like a floodlight, which spreads out the light and takes in everything, but doesn't focus on any one thing too intently or too densely. Okay. So, for example, you know, to Maria Jose's point about taking a walk and not seeing what's around her, right? That's because she wasn't exercising the noticing mind. And most of the times we're not doing it. I mean, how many times are we sitting? I'm sitting in my office here and, you know, there's books and there's, you know, all sorts of things. And I see them every day. I sit right here and I see the same things. But if I notice it, Right? If I kind of let my attention wander to it and wander around, I start to see things that I hadn't seen before. But I don't focus on them. I don't stop my attention there. So the noticing mind is a more diffuse alertness that's important. So we can start to see variation and understand them in context. That's your example, Creek, of, you know, oh, there's, there, there are all these different birds. Okay, and I'm hearing these different birds, and I'm hearing the sound of the water, and I'm not excluding anything. I'm switching from, let me pay attention to that one bird and tune out everything else, to now I'm noticing everything. Without judgment, okay, without uh, a critical um, distinction on. I'm not assessing it as good or bad. I'm just okay, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it and then I'm moving on. Yeah, I I was thinking about those kind of two minds, the noticing mind and the focused mind. And I couldn't help thinking about the instinctual biases and how I don't see the trees, but I see people. Yeah. So my 
focuses of attention usually have to do more with people because I'm navigating, I think. Yes. And there are things that can just walk past and not see them. Whereas Creek is navigating as well, but he is, you know, interested in nature and birds and stuff, you know? So <laughs> I'd uh, rather people not <laughs> notice me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll we'll actively avoid that. people no. in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I like to yeah, observe from people. a distance. Mm. Um, great. So we have three more minds <laughs> left uh, next episode. What's what does the audience have to look forward to? Oh, so much, so much so good much. stuff. Um, yeah, do not miss the next episode because you know it's it will probably be our best yet. Wow. Uh, but specifically, we're going to talk about the fluid mind. Uh, the discerning mind and the conducting mind. And we'll talk about how all these things come together in things like uh, emotional intelligence. Great. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast. 